Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Low Bottom High Rise podcast with Moira Cassaba. And I am so excited to talk to you today about money. It can be such a taboo subject, right? It can be such a topic that brings up an immense amount of negative emotion. I think for most people, way more than positive emotions. And I kind of just want to share with you, you know, what I have done to break through my own, you know, limiting beliefs around money to recreate my money story, if that's what you want to call it. Um, Some shifts that I've gone through in my own life and some things that I've learned and a lot of the things that I teach. And right before I hit record, I was thinking about this concept, um, not necessarily to do with money, but to do with money and everything else. And that is that there is a part of everything that we're trying to master. There's an education component, right? And there's a practice component. And I think so often people get stuck in really one way or the other. You know, they are massively educating themselves on all the things. And a lot of people actually don't. A lot of people have, when we're talking about money, so much negativity and fear around money that they just, you know, out of fear, they don't even take the action to to learn about money and investing and kind of what they're supposed to be doing. So A, number one, step number one, you have to educate yourself to some extent, right? My husband does all the complicated stuff, but I ask questions. You know, I know enough to know enough with the complicated stuff, but I really understand money from, I mean, and pretty in-depthly, there's just certain pieces of, you know, our portfolio and things that we manage that I'm like, uh, I trust you. I don't need to know every single detail of the ins and outs of that. I understand the concepts. I understand the decision-making, you know, that we're going through to get there. And that's enough. But a lot of people are paralyzed and they're not educating themselves at all. So first things first, you have to educate yourself, right? Listen to the podcast, read the books. Um, One of the, the best books that I can suggest is Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, Robert Kiyosaki. Um, we, I read this book, gosh, in probably in my early 20s. I read it again in my early 30s. Um, my husband and I just reread it again. Every single time I read it, I'm in such a different place in life that I, you know, glean these insights that I just felt like I didn't even read the first one or two times. And I want to dig into a little bit of that because I think that he really breaks it down in such a simplistic way for, so don't be intimidated by the book at all. And he teaches these four quadrants. And I may have even taught this on another podcast before, but he talks about this this quadrant of you're either an employee. Most people start out as an employee. You know, some people are self-employed. Then people sometimes move on to becoming a business owner and eventually where you really want to land if you are interested in creating you know, wealth is being an investor. But the one thing that I love that applies to all of that is he talks a lot about how people are spending their money on liabilities every day versus assets. And so I was kind of, you know, when I first read that, I was like, you know, I understand liabilities, I understand assets, but not from this perspective. So liabilities being things that cost us money, right? Our house payment, our car payment, going out to dinner, groceries, 
um, a gym membership. All of these things are great to spend our money on because it's quality of life, right? But if that is where 100% of our money is going and we are not investing in anything, if we are not putting any of our dollars towards assets, things that make us money, then we are, you know, in a losing battle with creating wealth. And so how do we do that? Because I know the first thing that comes up for me is like, well, I can't exactly not pay my mortgage. I can't not pay my car payment. I can't not do this. But guys, there are a lot of things that we don't need to be spending money on, right? There's probably a million little tiny charges that get auto charged to your credit card that you're not even aware of that you're spending money and it's just like a hole in the boat and the money's going out and it's a complete waste of money. But the number one idea here is live below your means, right? We can all choose to live below our means so that we can free up some of that money to allow it to go towards ass- towards assets. So we can allow to, our, our dollars to make dollars, right? So some people are extremely happy. They love their job. They want to be an employee for, you know, forever. And that's okay. But you've got to learn how to take the dollars that you're making from your job and invest them somehow. You can make that leap, you know, right from that employee quadrant to that investor quadrant. Some people are self-employed. You know, there's a lot more tax incentives and tax breaks in that quadrant. Business owners, same thing. But eventually we got to understand that, you know, I remember there was a period where I read uh, this book and I was like, I'm self-employed, I've arrived. And then I was like, oh, no, I haven't. I'm only on tier two. I need to get it more into that business owner level. And then even when I arrived there, I thought I had arrived and I was like, oh, I'm not investing at all. Like that's where true wealth is built. And and true wealth that means something different for everybody, right? Radically different. And I know that there's a lot of, you know, emotions that come up when people think, well, I don't, I don't need, you know, millions of dollars. I don't need to create quote unquote wealth. But wealth to me is just freedom. You know, I've always said I am not um, motivated by money, but I am motivated by freedom. Freedom is one of my core values, family, faith, freedom, right? Freedom to be able to choose where I want to spend my time, what I want to give back to, um, what I want for my children, the schools I want to send my children to, the opportunities I want, the opportunities I want to afford for my children and my grandchildren. I also remember hearing uh, Tony Robbins say one time, and I was like, oh, it's so true. And he said, the people that say, you know, money doesn't matter or, you know, they don't need the money or whatever, they have never had enough to give it away. Because there also comes that point where if you've got a heart for the world that you really understand greater wealth, it's all possible for us. And so I see it as my obligation to create more wealth, not for me. Like I think that's that's the misleading thing. People think, why do you want more money? Why do you want more of this? I even had this conversation with my husband not that long ago. And I was like, you know, I'm so driven to like build this other like of my business and double my income and go here because goals super, super motivating for me. And he's like, babe, I, I don't really like why. He's like, why, why are you so driven to make, you know, X amount of dollars more? And he's like, we've got everything we need. And I was like, 
because it's not about that. It's not about anything. Like it, it is nothing. In the beginning, it was, right? There was absolutely income-driven goals directly correlated to things that I wanted. And there is nothing. There is nothing wrong with that at any point in your life. Never feel guilty about that. We're going to talk about the energy and the emotions around money in a minute. But don't ever feel bad for that, right? But for me, I've gotten to this place where I'm like, I want to create more wealth so I can create more impact, so I can reach more people, so I can change more lives, so I can do more for the world that is lacking. So that's kind of where my drive comes. So just just know that that is a lot of people's story, right? If you're judging people for wanting more income, that problem lies within you and your issues that are tied up with money, not in the person that's driven to create more wealth. So just know that we've got to shift our story. So I started out by saying there's this education part of this, right? That we have to educate ourselves. But the other end of the spectrum that a lot of people aren't doing, and maybe they're educating themselves, but they're not practicing. They're not developing a daily practice around really the inside work. I always think of the education being like the brain part, the knowledge part, right? But then is there a daily practice to shift the internal part that is really, I believe, the part that's holding all of us back, you know, when it comes to creating more money. So think about it this way. I believe that we all have a set point, right? We all have a set point with our weight. We all have a set point financially. We all have a set point for what we think we can accomplish, right? We have maybe some dreams and goals that are above where we are now. And we have a floor too. We have a bottom that we're not willing to ever, ever, ever dip below. And we all kind of live right there between, you know, the ceiling and the floor. And that's our set point. And if you have ever studied or familiar with like fitness and nutrition and weight and all of that, it's a it's very common knowledge that the human body has a set weight point. It's one of the reasons why it's so incredibly hard to lose weight without gaining it back, right? Our bodies come back into homeostasis. They come back into balance. Like it is not, you know, our willpower... Uh, cannot overcome that. I mean, you can, you know, in certain circumstances, people do overcome that and they create a new set point for their weight, but it's not easily done. It's the same thing when it comes to our money mindset, right? We have a set point of what we think we are capable of or where we think we we should live. And I want to tell you the story that I think I maybe have shared before, but gosh, it was so powerful to me. So I was at a point in my career where my income was going up every month, right? I was making more income each month if I was, you know, and I was tracking my income, it would go up every month. And so I would take my highest current monthly income and I would times it by 12 and that's what my annual income was to me. Here is something you guys can't miss. Oh my gosh. December. It's my favorite month of the entire year to run a boot camp. And here's why. I get it. I get the holiday stress. I get the holiday overwhelm. I get that you might want to feel like you're going to indulge in all the things. I have had so many holiday seasons where I haven't been present. I haven't felt my best because... 
I just don't have those magical pieces in place to ground me, you know, those nutrition choices that I can I can opt to to balance out the sweets. You guys, I want you to indulge. I want you to go to the holiday party. I want you to enjoy the pumpkin pie, the whatever it is that your grandma makes. But you can do that in a way, and I love teaching this, that you still you still feel amazing, right? That you can balance that out with superfoods. You can make really clean, insanely delicious desserts. You can get your workouts in. You can have the mindset practices that take five minutes in the morning that are going to center you and make you feel incredible and present during the holiday. So join me for my December Soul Body Boot Camp. I'm also throwing in my 25 Days of Fitness Ab Challenge, which is so super fun. It's like an extra five minutes a day. Uh, but the link to the boot camp is in my bio. Guys, this isn't some crazy, crazy thing that you're like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't do that until January. You can do this now. It's all intentional for December to help you through the holidays, to help you thrive instead of just survive. So make sure you click the link in the bio. Join me. I'm super pumped about this and I can't wait to see you in there. 100%. Like this is just the calculation I did. And I was like, oh, I make X amount of dollars a year. That feels good. The next month I'd recalculate it. I'm like, now I make X amount of dollars a year. This feels good. And I would keep going and keep going. Well, at the end of a full year where I believed I was making a certain amount of money. And so I acted from that energetic place, right? That was, it was truly my belief ingrained in just, and, and it wasn't something I was reaching for. It just what it was, what was, you know, it was what is. And my husband, a few months into the next year, did our taxes. And he mentioned something like, Hey babe, you know, awesome job. You made X amount of dollars last year. And I was like, no, I didn't. And he's like, yeah, I, I just did our taxes. This is what you made last year. And I kept saying, I was like, that's not correct. And he's like, babe, I didn't, I'm like, you must've made a mistake. Like, that's not possible. I'm like, I track my income every single month. I'm really good at this. I love numbers. I made this last year. And he just kind of giggled and he's like, um, I hate to break it to you, but you didn't. And it took us a while to kind of figure out where the discrepancy was between his reality and my reality. But guys, what I want you to understand is when I showed up for my work every day, when I showed up for my life every day, I was coming from a place of earning more income in my reality than was actual on paper. And therefore, I kept earning higher and higher income. Does that make sense? You know, one of the key principles I always teach brand new people, because I'm always working with people that are trying to build businesses, right? Entrepreneurs, you, you got to just work yourself like crazy. If you really want have big goals, you got to work super hard for a while, not making anything. You know, I've opened up three businesses now that you know, you take out a $100,000 loan to open up the business. You're working for the first few years just to pay back the loan. You're not putting a penny into your pocket and you're working 60, 70 hours a week. Like that's, that's the road of entrepreneurship. And so I tell people a lot, I'm like, listen, you're going to work harder than you've ever worked in your life for nothing to hopefully one day get to a point where it's the reverse. But here's the thing. 
if you are making $10,000 a year in your first year of entrepreneurship, and I'm telling you, that's good. If you're making money in your first year of a business, you are way ahead of the game. But let's say you're making $10,000 a year in your first year of your business. You cannot show up to that job, to that business, like you're making $10,000 a year. You have to show up from an energy of where you want to be, or you're never going to get there. So I can remember when I had my first goal of earning six figures in one of my businesses, and I, I showed up every day as if I was as if that business was generating six figures. What does that look like? What does that feel like? At what level am I working at? How how hard am I hustling? You know, am I willing to stay up later? Am I willing to get up earlier? Because if I'm making six figures, I would be willing to do that. If I'm not willing to do that, I am never going to get there. And then once you arrive there, you got to raise the bar, right? You got to continually shift that set point, which is hard in the transition, to reach that higher rung. So you have to, you just have to put this into practice. There's a part of this that's education. There's a part of this that is knowledge. You got to understand things. You got to understand money. You got to understand investing. You got to understand all this stuff. But you really have to look at not just putting the knowledge in your brain, right? They say knowledge is power. Knowledge is no power. Knowledge is zero power. Execution is power right? So you know this stuff at some point, once you know it, how are you executing it on a daily basis? You can do this, you know, you can rewire, literally rewire your brain, neuroplasticity, and rewire your beliefs around money and what how you think about money through things like guided meditation, visualization, incantations, um, doing the practice that I always call contrast statements and creating those clarity statements and saying them over and over again and reading them over and over again, looking at your goals every day, looking at your vision. And I know that this sounds airy-fairy to people, but guys, this is neuroscience. This is physiology. You are rewiring your brain as you're going through these practices. It's not lost on me that the most successful people in the world do a lot of these practices on a daily basis. So ask yourself, what are you doing on a daily basis to shift this, to change this money story or these money beliefs that are holding you back? Something came up for me recently because this is an ongoing process. And I'm going to go back in a little bit and kind of share how I grew up, the ideas I grew up around money, the household I grew up in, and how that played a part. But just recently, just recently, I was like, I don't, I don't really have any like money issues. I don't have any stories that hold me back. Like I've done the work, you know, and I'm doing all that stuff every single day to kind of take it to the next level. But I found myself begrudgingly paying certain bills. And there are, I'm not going to go into specifics, but there were certain things that come up every week or every two weeks that are constant. Every single week, every single two weeks. And every single time I had to pay, I just felt like somebody was taking from me. Like I was doing it resentfully. I wasn't doing it with joy. I wasn't necessarily resentful, but it certainly wasn't positive emotion, right? There was some negative emotions, not a lot. I wasn't super aware of this, but when I started to look at it, I was like, huh, that is really interesting. I'm 
kind of feeling that like keeping score, like, did you do a good enough job for me to give you this payment, you know? And I had to really dig into that. And that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about like constant, you know, clarity around the day in and day out transactions. And here's the coolest thing about when it comes to money. You spend money pretty much all day, every day. You know, whether we're putting gas in the car, whether we're getting groceries, we are paying a bill, paying our mortgage, stopping at Starbucks, like there is money literally going in and out almost every single second of every single day. So every moment you have the opportunity to be aware of this and to change it, right? And you can't change it unless you're aware of it, just like this transaction I was talking about in my life coming up every week or two. And all I had to do was just pause and rewrite that, you know, and and for the first few weeks, I had to be really conscious of it. I had to think, oh, here it comes. Here comes that kind of negative negativity around this. But oh my gosh, I get to pay this person. I get to help their family out. I get to you know, have them do this work for me that is such an asset in my life and such a blessing. And I in turn get to bless them because I can. Like just rewriting that story. And now every single time I write that check or I send that payment, I am flooded with gratitude. I am flooded with the fact that I have the money and I get to bless somebody else with it. So I took that and here's the beauty of like kind of discovering these little catching points. I I was able to take a negative and like, like make it a super positive. So now it's not just neutral. It's not like I got to a neutral place. If that hadn't been an issue and I just written the check and, and sent the payment, you know, every two weeks and thought, there's no issues around this, then I wouldn't have had the opportunity to feel this insane amount of gratitude that I now feel every single time I send that payment. So see these negativities, these things that are holding you back. Those are your greatest gifts. Those are the things that are going to be the catalyst to shoot you forward on the spectrum, right? So look at your day. How does it feel? Are you expressing gratitude that you just get to roll into Starbucks anytime you want and go in and buy a fancy coffee that costs five, six, seven dollars because you have the financial freedom to do that? That is not most people in the world. That is a gift. We can take something as simple as a cup of coffee and feel the gratitude. And when we start to align those emotions around our money exchanges, it is going to come tenfold back to you. I promise. All right. So let's go back. Let's go back a little bit. I want you to think about your money story. Like what did you grow up with? You know, interestingly enough, I think I intuitively worked through a lot of things that could have held me back big time early on in my life, because again, I kind of work through them and now they fuel me instead of holding me back. Like I'm not just in neutral, like my foot's on the gas because of the stories that, you know, really impacted me growing up. I heard things like, of course we all did. Money doesn't grow on trees, you know, but I specifically heard, I don't know where you got your champagne tastes. 
And there was some shame there. You know, there was some, there was definitely judgment there. I, as a child, always wanted this, you know, nicer life. And it, it, it was, it had nothing to do with the fact that I wasn't grateful and had an incredible life. Like I had the most amazing childhood and, you know, we won't go into dollars and figures and all that, but, you know, just a very regular, well, not regular. There's nothing, no such thing as regular, right? We've all got our issues in our family, but when it came to money, very middle-class family. And that's what I was surrounded with. So I never felt I never felt better than, I never felt less than. I just felt very middle of the pack and I never really thought about it until I would, because it was my nature to think, to dream. You know, I'm a visionary, I'm a dreamer. And I would think, gosh, I want that. Or like, I want to grow up and do that. I want to grow up and have a house on the beach. I want to do this. And, and I would hear the message and kind of the shame of, I don't know where you get your champagne taste, but like, you know, it doesn't fit here. And kind of just had that spirit of desire extinguished a lot. And I do remember being so aware that there was um, judgment against wealth from my family, from my parents. And, you know, wealthy people were judged by my parents and... I, I really aspired to that. So there was this big internal conflict, right? Because I love my parents. I want them to be proud of me. I want them to be happy for me. But I saw like, if I go and live this life that I want and desire and go after, am I then going to be judged for it? And I was to some extent, you know, again, I don't know where you get your champagne taste. But I really was hyper aware of that in my early 20s. And I remember having conversations with my mom and being like, I don't, mom, I don't understand. Like judging someone because they have money is no different than judging someone that's on the street. Like we can have hearts for people that are struggling in the world, but that doesn't mean we need to judge anyone on the other end of the spectrum. Judgment is judgment. I don't care who you're judging. It's wrong. And what I really got clear on that helped me in my early years was, you know, discovering the why behind it. And I I really just needed to get to a place where I was okay with my own desires. And I always think about the beach house, right? Since I was a little girl, I would watch movies and there would be a house on the ocean. And I, that was like my biggest dream. And it still is. That was my dream as a little girl. And I realized through conversation in my early 20s that you know, the the idea was that you want that because of what you think it's going to give you, or and so there was a there was a very healthy you know intention here that things don't define us, that wealth doesn't define us, that um, outside quote unquote superficial things aren't what we should be aspiring to, and that was amazing and impactful. But what I really had to dig deep into was. I desire this house on the ocean because that is where I feel closest to God. That is where I'm just at my happiest. I'm at my calmest. I am most connected to source. And if I could live in an environment where I could wake up every day and walk out on the beach, which is what I get to do today, um, my life would feel different. My life would look different. 
And I also saw that place on the beach not as it, I just really understood that it had nothing, absolutely nothing to do with what you think of me because I really, guys, don't care what other people think of me. Like my desires have always been self-driven for me and what I want to create for my family. And I saw that home as a place of friends coming over and families supporting families and families raising children together and community. And, you know, even like, you know, um, youth groups coming in, like, and, and just a space, a beautiful space where people could come together to pursue those heart callings, to have those beautiful conversations before we move to the beach. And we do not have the house on the beach, but we live a couple houses back. Before we moved here, I would always envision my daughter and I walking on the beach together looking for shells. And it was probably only two months ago we were walking on the beach. And I said to her, you know, when we lived in our old house, every day, I would picture this in my mind. Every day I would wake up and I would see you and I walking on the beach. I knew that there were years coming in our future that, you know, you're going to be going through these teenage years. I wasn't crying when I was telling her this. Um, but that there were there were going to be times where we were going to have to have hard talks and there were going to be times that your heart was broken in a million pieces or you were struggling and I was going to have to have these conversations. And I always pictured us on the beach. And we get to do that today. So ask yourself what the why is behind it. And let me pull myself out of my emotion for a second and just also tell you, if you want a Gucci bag, there is not a damn thing wrong with that either. You know, If you want a Gucci bag because you just want a Gucci bag, like that is okay too. There is nothing wrong with wanting things, right? But maybe that story helps you to understand there's a deeper heart-centered why behind the things, you know? And sometimes, guys, it's as simple as, you know, I want that thing simply because I'm worthy. We are worthy of it all. You are worthy of greatness. You are worthy of wealth. You deserve greatness. You deserve wealth. You deserve, you know, giving back to our world, giving back to our, our communities. And I will be your biggest champion and your biggest cheerleaders in telling you that it, if it is on your heart, if it is in your heart, if there is a desire in your soul, it is meant for you. I believe that God plants those seeds of desire and dreams and visions in our hearts. And those desires are different in every single person. And the desires in your heart were seeds that were planted and it is meant for you and you are worthy, right? There's an expression, focus on the why and the how shows up. And I just want to wrap up with that because I think we can get so caught up in the how to. And um, actually, this makes me think of um, Robert Kiyosaki's book where he talks about, you know, money being just oh gosh, how does he put it? Money being kind of uh, a figment of our imagination. And I remember reading that like, uh, no, it's real. And really understanding that if you can, let's say, for example, invest $100 in the stock market and the next day wake up and you have $1,000. First of all, you only have $100 or $1,000 because somebody says it's worth that. Like you don't actually have $101 bills in your pocket, right? It's a figment 
it is somewhat of an illusion. Therefore, there is an energy around it. If you can create money out of thin air in the stock market or by flipping a house or by selling something, money is an illusion. It's a figment of our imagination in some regards. And you might think I just went off the deep end there, but it is an energy. And when you step into the place of owning it, right? You create that new vision for your life of that new set point, that new life space that you are living from. That's when you call it into your life and you are worthy. So get the education, do the daily practices, guys, because you, there's nothing holding you back except you. I know it feels like the the circumstance we're in or the, you know, boss that is dictating our paycheck or whatever it is. That's all a figment too, right? Like we can go out there and create whatever we want. I actually Googled right before this. It's like, I wonder how many millionaires there are in the world. There are 62,483 millionaires in the world. There is no reason if you desire it you cannot go have it, especially this day and age. The only thing holding you back is the limiting belief of what you are worthy of and what is possible for you. And I'm here to tell you, you are worthy and it is all possible. I would love to know your thoughts, you guys. Message me on Instagram, send me a DM. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know, you know, any podcasts or books that you've read. I like gobble this stuff up around money mindset so much. Um, I would love to hear your recommendations too. And thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week.